This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Thank you, and welcome to the show. Uh, let me take you back to August the 2nd of 1952, when this episode of Gunsmoke was first aired. Now, the star of the show was William Conrad. He was an American World War II fighter, pilot, actor, producer, and director, whose career spanned five decades in radio, film, and television. A radio writer and actor, he moved to Hollywood after his World War II service and played a series of character roles in films, beginning with the quintessential film noir The Killers in 1946, and he narrated the television adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle from 59 to 64 and The Fugitive from 63 to 1967. Finding fewer on-screen roles in the 50s, he changed from actor to producer-director with television work, narration, and a series of Warner Brothers films in the 1960s. William Conrad found stardom as a detective in the TV series Cannon. Remember that one? 71 to 76. And then Nero Wolf in 1981. And as a district attorney, Jason Lochnevar, J.L. Fatman McCabe in the legal drama Jake and the Fat Man. That was from 87 to 92. So let's hear him in the role he created, Marshal Matt Dillon, and the episode Renegade White. One way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with a U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Gun smoke, starring William Conrad. The story of the violence that moved west with young America. The story of a man who moved with it. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Got you. Wild Hog, you there? Who are you? Put that spear down. 
Listen, wild hog and me are friends, big friends. You'll make much noise. You're Cheyenne, ain't you? You must be with wild hog. What name, you white man? I'm Ord Spicer. Ord Spicer, you hear? You bother me and you'll be in big trouble with wild hog. No trouble. Tell these other redskins to put their spears down. I need more room. Come, white man. Are you with Wild Hog or ain't you? Much talk, come. All right. Any tricks, I'll shoot you first. anybody else. I want to be in Dodge tonight. Come. Spicer, all right. Yes. These braves of yours sure keep you covered. Can't tell one from another, except you, of course. I even thought maybe I'd run into the wrong Indians. No moon tonight. Oh, I recognized them as Cheyennes, all right, but you never know with... With... With what, Spicer? Nothing, Wild Hog. Forget it. You never know with Indians. Now, Wild Hog, you and me are friends. Don't get so touchy. I didn't mean nothing. We are not friends. I pay you. That is all. Sure we're friends. You're about the most educated Indian I ever met, that's why. I learn only English from the white men. Nothing else. You sure had a good teacher, fellow. General Custer, many bitter moons ago. I was a scout... Don't matter. I never heard of him. He was killed. Well, that's nothing to do with me. You got the money, Wild Hog? Yes. Here. Five hundred dollars. Five hundred? Our deal was for a thousand. You will get the rest later. But I'm running a big risk for you, Cheyennes. This is mighty dangerous work, Wild Hog. It will be even more dangerous if we do not meet again, Spicer. Oh, Wild Hog, you can trust me. I'll be back, you know that. Yes. When? Ooh, two, three days. Where will I find you? Make camp near here. We'll find you. Okay. I'll get on into Dodge now. Goodbye, Wild Hog. Don't get drunk, Spicer. <laughs> Never touch it. <laughs> Bartender, set out another bottle of whiskey for me and my friend. Uh, what'd you say you're called, stranger? Ord Spicer, friend. Mm-hmm. Here, 
Let me fill your glass. Some time you got here, Dodge. You sure are easy with your money, Spicer. Nothing is too good for my friend. Say, what name you go by, anyway? You got a lot of money, Spicer. Sure, I got money. I'll have more soon. Must have hit it rich, huh? <laughs> sure, I hit it rich. Easy money, friend. Easy money. How'd you do it, Spicer, anyway? Friend, I live like a gambler. My life's chicken one day and feathers the next. Right now, it's all chicken. Yeah, but how'd you do it? You made out real good, Spicer. Brains and guts, friend. Brains and guts. That's all it takes. Uh, no, no, but, but how? You don't get money like that robbing old Indians. What's that? Huh? What'd you say about Indians? Well, it's just a way of saying it back home. Don't get on the pride about it. Maybe you talk too much. Maybe you ask too many questions. Hey, what's the matter with you anyway? Maybe you know too much. Look, Spicer, you're hiding something. Don't trouble yourself. I ain't interested in you, or your money, or your liquor. I don't like that. You don't have to. You bet I don't. Keep your eyes right on mine, Spicer. I want to watch you die. There's that Ord Spicer fella you locked up, and then there's a drunk who tried to buffalo me after you went to bed. No? Did you have any trouble with him? A little, Mr. Dillon. He tried to hit me on the head with his six-gun. Well, you look all right. Oh, he didn't do it, sir. I bit his thumb and kneed him at the same time. <laughs> well, that's quite a trick, Chester. You must have been practicing. No, sir, I haven't been practicing. But I had it all thought out. <laughs> I see. All right, let's turn Spicer loose. I'll go get him, Mr. Dillon. About time. Where's my gun, Marshal? There it is, Spicer. And, uh, don't use it around here anymore. You can't bother a man for self-defense. I just want you to stay out of Dodge. One kill at your limit here, even in self-defense. I ain't a fear to you, Marshal. Besides, this is a poor town anyways. You can have it. My, that man would kick a hog barefoot him. <laughs> he sure would, Chester. There's something real bad about him. Yeah, I don't know what it is, Chester, and I hope I don't have to find out. Well, you'll go away. Fellows like that got to keep moving. Seems like nobody wants him. Now, don't feel sorry for him, Chester. He got that way all by himself. Yes, sir. I mean, no, sir. Morning, Mr. 
morning, Marshal. Those graders get here yet, Jack? Yep. Come in on the Santa Fe yesterday, Marshal. Four of them. Uh, right back here. Oh, good. Beautiful guns, ain't they? Just beautiful. <laughs> You're a good storekeeper, Jack, but I only need two of them. Well, I can make you a good price in all four, Marshal. It wouldn't be any good if I don't need four, would it? Well, maybe not, but I never know. I got half a dozen 44 Sharps rifles, same shipment. Thought I'd be stuck with them forever. Well, with the big 50 out now, there ain't a Buffalo Hunter to use a 44 anymore. I don't see any 44s. Well, that's just what I'm telling you. Feller stopped in just this morning, took all six. Paid me $75 a piece, too. You sold six rifles to one man? That's right, Marshal. The Buffalo Hunter? Looked more like a drifter to me. Had plenty of cash, though. You know his name? No idea. Nothing wrong with it, was there, Marshal? Been a holdup around here I haven't heard about? No, no. Just a lot of rifles for one man to buy. No log in it, is there? What'd this man look like, Jack? Tall, skinny, kind of mean face. Mm-hmm. You wear one six-gun, black grips? Yeah. Come to think of it, he did. You know him? Yeah. Lord Spicer. Killed a man last Now, I heard about that shooting. What do you suppose he's up to now? Where'd he go? Wouldn't know. Packed the rifles on a mule and rode out of town. You going after him, Marshal? No, no. It's like you say, Jack. There's no law against a man buying all the rifles he wants. Seems strange, that's all. Well, let's settle on the price for those craners. Huh? <laughs> Next day, Chester and I took the new greeners and rode out for a prairie chicken. We had a sackful within an hour, and we headed back to town, arguing on the way as to whether we'd bake the birds whole or just cut the breasts off and broil them. We still hadn't settled the matter when we reached Dodge, and we never did. The stage from Hayes City had arrived half hour before, bringing with it the bodies of two men found alongside the road. They were just laying there, Marshal, about five miles back. Both shot dead, but I thought I'd better bring them in anyway. Did you recognize them, Pete? No, Marshal, I didn't. Doc says there are a couple of riders from the T-Bar outfit. Yeah. He got them up in his office now. You bring in their horses? No sign of a horse. But there was an awful lot of tracks around. All right. I'll go see if Doc's found anything. Uh, hang around, Pete, will you? I may want some more information from you. Okay, if I do my waiting at the Alifraganza, Marshal? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. I'll put our horses up, Mr. Dillon. Now, yours, Chester. I may want mine. Yes, sir. Oh, hello, Marshal. Just finishing up here. Be right with you. How'd they die, Doc? Well, they got half shot. And then shot dead, Marshal. Yeah, I know, I know, but... Uh... Is there any way of telling if maybe they killed each other? Hey, uh... Ah, that does it. No, there is, Marshal, but I'd be mighty surprised if they did. Now, what do you mean, Doc? Well, they were cowboys, Marshal. Cowboys just don't generally carry buffalo guns. Here, take a look. What? I dug some of these out of each of them. Those are slugs from a sharps rifle, Marshal. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. That one's the best I found, right there. Yeah. What caliber did you say this is, Doc? Mm, I'd guess 44. Uh, 44 
sharps. Mm-hmm. Not many 44s in use around here since the big 50 came out. I know a man with six of them, Doc. Hmm? Hmm. What do you think of that? I'll let you know when I get back. Come on, Doc. We will return for the second act of Gunsmoke in just a moment. But first, behind the famous creaking door to Inner Sanctum tomorrow evening, there lies one of the most hair-raising tales to date. Meet Raymond, your host on Inner Sanctum, tomorrow night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. The stage driver rode with me back to where he'd found the bodies, and from there I rode on alone. It was an easy trail at first. There must have been more than a dozen horses running together. Long toward dusk, however, they suddenly split up, and I was faced with two different trails to follow. I made a gambler's choice and rode harder than ever. There was only an hour of light left to track by when my horse stepped into a prairie dog hole, snapped his leg, and went over hard. My head glanced off a rock. There was a shower of light. Nothing. That's him, all right. That's Dylan. He's a marshal at Dodge. I think he is not good. Stop. What will you have done? But you can't let him live. He'd kill us, all right. I'm going to kill him anyway. You'll die for it if you do. Okay. You're the boss. But you'll wish I'd shot him. He's coming to now. We take care of him our own way. White Cloud, pick up his guns. Yeah, he isn't hurt. Just knocked out, that's all. Indians. Cheyennes. I'm no Indian, Marshal. Spicer. Yeah. Sure. No tricks now, Marshal. These redskins will shoot you to pieces. Yeah. Are those new Sharps 44s you bought them, huh, Spicer? It's no business of yours, Marshal. Not now. You're through. You're all the way through. Spicer, you're under arrest. What? I said you're under arrest. Now, Marshal, what are you arresting me for? Not that it matters much. For selling guns to Indians and on suspicion of murder. All right, so I'm under arrest, but, Marshal, I want to ask you something. Yeah. How are you going to take me in? That's just how are you going to manage it? I'll worry about that. You sure will. Come on, Wild Hog, let's shoot him and get it over with. This is a man of much heart. I admire his courage. To stand with death on all sides and arrest a man. No, we will not kill him. Not yet. But you can't take him with us. White Cloud, give him a horse. Come. Come. 
They gave me a horse, all right, with the T-bar brand on it. But I was surrounded by six armed Indians and a no-good white who'd shoot me any time he thought he could get by with it. Wild Hog rode up ahead, leading the party northwest, apparently to rendezvous with a bunch that had split off from this one. Spicer stayed right alongside of me. Well, am I still under arrest, Marshal? You're still guilty, aren't you? Sure. I'll admit it. Don't matter, being as how you'll never see Dodge again or any other place. What are you doing with these Cheyennes here anyway, Spicer? I got a deal with Wild Hog, Marshal. Real good deal. Killing white men, part of it? They don't need any help there, Marshal. They like to kill white men. Maybe they'll kill you before they're through. No, I'm too valuable to them. They like me. Well, now why would they like you? Well, they didn't at first. But I talked them into it. Talked Wild Hog into it. He's a smart fella, that Indian. Saw right away what I could do for him. Like buying those rifles. What else did you do for him? Well, I stopped those two riders with the horses. Told them I was sick. Got them off guard. Those Cheyennes were on before they could move. It was real easy. You're kind of like a Judas sheep in a slaughter pen, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's it, Marshal. Pays better, though. I got $500 coming since we find a rancher to the raid. I see. Pretty good deal, huh? You know, I think a lot more of these Indians than I do of you, Spicer. I don't like that, Marshal. At least they got an argument on their side. But you're just a renegade white. I'll kill you for that, Marshal. Now, shut up. All right, you've asked for it. Shoot me and Wild Hog will split you wide open, Spicer. Besides, he spotted the rest of his party up there. Hmm? Oh, yeah. All right for now, Marshal. But I'll see you dead. I promise I'll see you dead. I was still alive two days later when we crossed the Smoky Hill River about a hundred miles northwest of Dodge. There were 15 Cheyennes in the party. And day and night, two of them, by turns, never took their eyes off of me. They seemed anxious for an excuse to cut my throat. I had to watch every movement I made. Looked pretty hopeless. Wild Hog was smart and he took no chances. But often he and I rode along together. Though always flanked by my two warrior guards. Country is greener already. Better every mile. Why have you been raiding so far south, Wild Hog, if you like this land better? We are northern Cheyenne, Marshal. In the Bighorn Mountains. The army took us south to a reservation in the Oklahoma Territory. Ah, so that's it. You jumped your reservation, huh? Why should we live in a hot, flat land that has no game? But the army will be after you again. You've broken the law. Whose law? Ours or yours? All right, Wild Hog. But the Indian has a law against murder. You've broken that twice that I know of. Cheyenne does not speak of it as murder to kill his enemy. Those cowboys weren't your enemy, Wild Hog. They weren't fighting you. The army drove us from our home in the mountains. 
The army took our horses from us. We are going back home now on other horses, that's all. That doesn't explain your killing. Those men were peaceful. Marshal, if I could, I would kill every white man in the country. But I cannot. The Indian nations cannot. Red man has always fled before the white man. Those cowboys weren't chasing you? We needed their horses. They didn't even have a chance to fight. You tricked them. Is it only the white man who was allowed to trick his enemy? I was young once, Marshal, but I have seen too much trickery and lies and destruction and broken promises. I'll admit that's happened, Wild Hawk. But you know, not every man is a liar and a killer. No. There are white men like you. And there are white men like Spicer. Spicer. Tell me something. Would you consider Ord Spicer guilty of murder? The Indian is Spicer's enemy, not his own people. Therefore, it is murder. Then you understand why it's Spicer I came after, not you. Why not me, Marshal? You're the Army's problem, not mine. I expect to fight the Army many times before we reach the mountains. Yeah. What, uh... What are your plans for me, Wild Hog? I have been thinking. Yeah? I do not know yet. What about Spicer? Spicer works for me. Why should I think about him? Then you're not as smart as I figured. All right, Marshal. Do not trust Spicer. He is a traitor to his own people and only for money. I have rifles now and enough horses. I do not need Spicer. You're going to kill him? Why not? He is only another white man. You said yourself you can't kill all the white men. If you were free, Marshal, you would take him back and let other white men kill him. What difference how he dies? Makes a difference to me, Wild Hog. I'm a lawman. I may have to kill you, too. You're a hard man to be friends with. I will explain to you, Marshal. It matters little about any Indian. A few more winters and not many of my people will be alive. I do not complain of our fate. Tribe follows tribe, nation follows nation. It is the law of nature. A white man's turn to be defeated and to disappear will come. It is just a matter of time. And so we may be brothers after all, Marshal. I'm not sure I believe all of that, Wild Hog. Of course not. Still, I recognize you as a warrior among your people, as I am a warrior among mine. Too bad we're not on the same side. As long as we are brave and willing to die, it does not matter. I ride ahead now. 
You stay with the others. That night, we reached the North Fork of the Solomon River and camped with the shadow of low hills not many miles ahead. Wild Hog ordered my guards to keep me some distance from the rest of the party. So I pulled up some buffalo grass and bedded down on it early. I watched the stars until sleep came. Next thing I heard was the sound of horses fading off in the distance. The two braves guarding me had disappeared, so I got up and walked carefully back to where the Cheyennes were camped. There, a couple of horses stood tied to a bush, but they were alone. The Indians had left. I stopped for a moment to listen. And then, suddenly, I saw the figure of a man lying in the moonlight about 20 feet off. Spicer. Spicer. Yeah, there's no blood on you. You're all right. Come on a minute, man. Come on. Yeah. Here. You've been knocked out, that's all. Now, come on, sit up. Uh, oh. Oh, gee, Marshal. What, what happened? Where are they? Where's Wild Hall? They've gone. Gone? Gone where? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Where'd they go? They'd been headed for the Bighorn Mountains. Best chance of running into the army if they travel at night. But they couldn't leave me. Not here. Not now. Looks like they did. Some brave club, Jim, they rode off. That's all. But I gotta go with them. You're still groggy, Spicer. And you're still under arrest. Remember? You can't take me in, Marshal. Wild Hog will be back. He won't let you. Why do you think he left you here, Spicer? We're, we're friends. Big friends, me and Wild Hog. You got no friends. You don't belong in anybody's camp. And I'm taking you back to Dodge anyway. That murdering Redsky's a better man than you, Spicer. He's brave and he's willing to die. Now, come on, we got a long ride back. Smoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by John Meston, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in tonight's cast were Harry Bartell, Larry Dobkin, Herb Vigran, and Jack Crucian. Harley Bear is Chester, and Howard McNear is Dark. Join us again next week as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Fay next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Fay. Good health to all from Rexall. It's Sunday, time for the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show, presented by the makers of Rexall Drug Products and 10,000 independent Rexall family drugs.
could help you all from Rexall. And now your Rexall family druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Tetley, Robert North, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, Walter Sharp and his music, yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. <laughs> Mr. Scott of the Rexall Company is having a lawn party at his home this afternoon. Many distinguished persons have been invited, and as we look in, we find Mr. and Mrs. Scott going over their guest list. Grace, let's check the guest list once more and make sure that all the important people have been invited. Very well, dear. This is the list. Mr. and Mrs. Phil Harris, Mr. Frank Remley... No, 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 dear. (laughs) Not the names I crossed out. Just read the ones we invited. Darling, I already invited the Harrises. I think she's a charming woman. So do I. It's that Tennessee bull weevil I object to. (laughs) Must we have him? Well, I think we should. After all, he's the star of your radio program, and you're the one who hired him. I know. (laughs) I know. You signed him for two years, and he still has another year to go. Stop pouring salt on my wound. <laughs> Ever since Harris has been on the air for Rex Hall, I've been a nervous wreck. I've got pains all over. My right arm is muscle-bound. Darling, I don't follow you. What's Bill Harris got to do with your arm being muscle-bound? I'll explain. Because of me, Phil Harris is on the air every Sunday night. So? So every Monday morning, I have to write letters to 10,000 independent druggists apologizing. (laughs) Now, Grace, please tell me you didn't invite that Frank Remley character. Well, I called him at his office, but I couldn't reach him. His office? (laughs) Yes, dear. Mr. Harris gave me the number, but Mr. Remley was too busy to talk to me. Remley was... Too busy to talk to you? Yes, he was watching a television show. And the bartender wouldn't disturb him. (laughs) Well, thank goodness you couldn't reach him. Without Remley, I can stand Harris for an hour or so. Mm, I'm afraid you'll have to tolerate him a little longer than that. Mrs. Harris is lending us some garden chairs, and he's bringing them over this morning. I told him he might as well stay on for the party. Oh, goody. (laughs) A whole day with old wavy wig. Phil, will you please hurry up? We have to get those chairs over to the Scots this morning. All right, honey. Wait till I finish my milk. I've only got about three fingers left to drink. Phil. Phil, do you suppose the Scots invited us just because they needed chairs? Oh, don't be silly. We were probably the first ones on their guest list. Daddy, can we go to this party? No, I'm sorry, kids, but this is just for grown-ups. You see, they're going to have a lot of important people there. Daddy, are you important? Am I important? Alice, you've got to have a talk with this child. (laughs) 
wife's got to be straightened out on a few things. Tell her how important I am. Go on. Tell her all the things that make me important. Well, you'd better tell her. You've got them memorized. <laughs> Who else has been invited to the Scott's party, Phil? I don't know, but you can bet that only the best people in town are going to be there. Oh, you weren't invited, eh, Philip? <laughs> well, looky, 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 here comes Schnucky. <laughs> For your information, I was invited, Willie. I got a resvip. A resvip? Yes, R-S-V-P, resvip. <laughs> Scotty insisted that Alice and me come to the party. He insisted, indeed. He wanted Alice, and he felt that he was forced to ask you. He's probably hoping that you won't show up. William, why are you always so terse with me? <laughs> I've done nothing to warrant your caustic diatribe. Phil, what was that? Just a little something Ronald Coleman laid on me. Come <laughs> away, Frankie invited? No, he wasn't, honey, and I can't understand why. Well, Mr. Scott didn't invite Francis because he doesn't want him, and I hope he has sense enough to stay away. Well, don't worry about Remley. You don't go to parties where he's not wanted. He's a very sensitive guy, and he never... Come in! Ah, hello, Frankie. Hiya, Curly. How do you like this new suit I bought for Scott's party? Hi, Alice. Well, if it isn't little old sensitive Frankie... Hey, Remley, I'm glad you're going. Scott sent you an invitation, huh? No. <laughs> what time are we supposed to be at the party? Francis, surely you're not serious about going to the party. Why not? Mr. Scott didn't ask you because he doesn't like you. Well, I don't like him either, but I'm not going to be petty about it. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Frankie. You can't go someplace where you're not wanted. Now, look, why don't we do this, Phil? Let Frankie come with us when we take the chairs to Mrs. Scott. And when he sees Frankie, he'll probably invite him, and everything will be all right. If Mrs. Scott doesn't want him, he can always leave. Sure, we'll never miss the old sourpuss. <laughs> hey, we ought to have a great time at this party. Sure we will. Hey, do you think they might ask me to sing? If they're smart, they won't. <laughs> now, just a moment, Mr. Remley. I'm tired of having you make fun of my voice. I can sing, and I'm going to show oh, you. Oh, Phil, not now. We have to get the chairs over. They can wait. I'm going to prove once and for all that I have a great voice. And I'm going to prove it right now. Go ahead. When you get through singing, call me. I'll be inside listening to the frost warnings. Young Johnny Jones, he had a cute little boat. And all the girlies he would take for a float. Had girlies on the shore, cute little peaches by the score. But Johnny was a Weisenheimer, you know. His steady girl was slow. And every Sunday afternoon, she'd jump in his boat and they would spoon. And then he'd row, row, row. Way up that river, he would row, row, row. A hug he'd give her then, he'd kiss her now and then. She would tell him when they'd fool around and fool around and then they'd kiss again and then they'd row, row, row. Way up that river they would row. Oh, 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 oh. Then he'd drop both his oars, take a few more encores and then they'd row, row, row. In Johnny's boat he had a cute little seat. And all the kisses that he stole were so sweet And he knew just how to row He was a rowing Romeo He had an island where the trees were so grand He knew just where to land Then tales of love he'd tell the slow Until it was time for them to go 
and he'd row, row, row. Right up that river he would row so slow. A hug he'd give her then, he'd kiss her now and then. She would tell him when he'd fool around, fool around, and he'd kiss again. Way up that river he would row, just he and flow. With her head on his chest, he'd take a few measures rest, and then he'd row, 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 just he and Florence. Row, row, row right into heaven. Row, row, he had no Johnson Motors, so Johnny and Flo would row, row, row. like that, Frankie. Pretty cold in Pomona. <laughs> ah, what do you know? How'd you like it, Alice? They're firing the smudge pots in Redlands. <laughs> oh, come on, Phil. You and Frankie put the chairs in the car and we'll get over to the Scots, huh? <laughs> Phil, Mr. Scott's car is in the driveway, so you'd better park out front here, Okay, huh? I'll park right here. All right, come on, Frankie. Give me a hand with these chairs. Oh, I don't... hello there. Oh, hiya, Chief. Hello, Mr. Scott. Uh, it's good to see you. I must say you look charming. You know, you get younger and prettier every day. How do you do it? I owe it all to clean living. <laughs> yes. Someday, I might make my secret of eternal youth available to the public. Oh, what a magnanimous gesture. <laughs> Mrs. Harris, I'm glad you and your, uh, man of tomorrow... <laughs> ...could uh, come over early. As long as I'm here early, I'll go in and see if I can help Mrs. Scott. Oh, huh? thank you. Thank you very much. Harris, can I help you take the chairs out of the car? No, I brought someone along to help me. Yeah, I'm here, Scotty. Oh, I guess we all have days when we should have stood in bed. I hear you're having a party today, Scotty. I said I hear you're having a party today. Maybe if I don't answer, you'll go away. I, uh, I didn't get an invitation in the mail. Could it be because it was misaddressed? Or maybe you didn't put a staff on it. I can't imagine why I didn't get it. Could it be because I didn't send you one? Uh, you and your wild guesses. <laughs> Mr. Scott, uh, I brought Frankie along because I knew you, you'd want him here. After all, what would a party be like without Francis? I don't know, but we're going to find out. <laughs> Mr. Scott, let's not beat around the bush. If you don't want me, say so. I don't want you. <laughs> Let's go around the bush once more. <laughs> there must be a solution to this problem. There is. You can go home. <laughs> no, that don't appeal to me. Remney, I'm warning you. If you insist on staying here, I'm leaving. That's the most sensible suggestion you made. <laughs> Remley, if you don't get out of here, I'll call... Now, wait a minute, fellas. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's not fight. Now, can't we settle this thing amicably? <laughs> Mr. 
Scott, I think it would be nice if you, the boss, invited Frankie the employee to your social gathering. It would prove something. What? Well, it would show the world that labor and capital can travel hand in hand to an ultimate utopia. Look, I Just don't because want... our ideologies are different, don't man, we mean we can't live in the same world together? But Let's I... foster brotherly love. The spirit of true Americanism is at stake here. Yeah, I'm... remember the Maine. Yeah. Remember the Alamo. Yeah. Let's I... not forget what they fought for at Aprofrata Pratamax. <laughs> This is the land of the free, where all men are created equal. From every mountain, freedom. Will you two stop this? <laughs> oh, I can't stand any more of this. Harris, would you mind carrying the chairs down in back of the house? We're holding the garden party around the swimming pool. Okay, Mr. Don't worry, we'll take care of everything. Remley, as long as you insist on staying, you will have to excuse me. I have to go down the street to see somebody. Who? My lawyer. I want to know if I can get an injunction against you. Goodbye. <laughs> Good old Scotty. I knew he'd invite me. Yeah. <laughs> well, come on, Frankie. Let's carry these chairs down to the pool. Okay. I'll... Hey, Curly. The pool's at the bottom of that steep hill. These chairs will have to make a few trips. Why don't we just drive your car now? That's a good idea. We can just... Yeah, but wait a minute. We'd have to move Scott's car out of the driveway. I'll tell you, look, Remley, you drive his car down to the garage, and I'll go get mine. Okay. Hey, Curly, I can't drive Scott's car down. There's no key in it. Remley, you don't need a key. It's on a hill. You can coast it down. Just release the handbrake. Oh. There she goes, Curly. Now what do I do? <laughs> oh, no, Remley, you were supposed to get in the car. <laughs> You just told me to release the handbrake. You didn't tell me to get in. Well, look at the way it's rolling down. Remley, do something. Stop it. Stop it, he said. Hey, car! Remley! Now, come on. we got to try and catch it. Hey, look. It's heading for the fence. That ought to stop it. It didn't. <laughs> Cheap lumber, I guess. Remley, it's heading for the pool. Well, that ought to stop it. It can't possibly go any further. Told you that would stop it. <laughs> right into the water. Don't worry. The new Cadillac. With those fish tails, it should be able to swim. <laughs> Remley, it ain't swimming. It's sitting on the bottom. I ought to take him with a bird. Temper. <laughs> Let's not get excited. We got a simple problem. All we got to do is figure how to get a Cadillac out of a swimming pool. That's all we got to figure. That's all. All we got to do is to write General Motors and ask them how to salvage one of their convertible submarines. <laughs> Frankie, we got to get it out of there before somebody discovers it. If we ever get Phil. caught with that thing... Oh, Phil. Uh-oh, here comes Hank, the night watchman. <laughs> Phil, what was that crash I heard out here? It sounded like... Phil! There's a car in the pool. Carpool? <laughs> Don't be silly, huh? Hey. Well, they haven't had carpools since the war ended. Why, it's Mr. Scott's Cadillac. How did he get in there? He's a very sloppy parker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you see, he parks his car in the pool every night. And that way, when he leaves in the morning, it's already washed. 
cut it out. Did you fellas do this? Well, uh, well, we might as well tell her the truth, Remley. Yeah, I guess we'll have All right, all right. How did it happen? Well, Mr. Scott left his car standing out in the hot sun. I see. And it got overheated, so it went in for a dip. <laughs> oh, Alice, do you expect us to believe that? <laughs> Yeah, look, honey, you're going to have to come up with a better excuse than that. Now, just how did you get that car in the pool? Well, I was talking to Mrs. Scott. Or... Wait a minute, I didn't do anything. <laughs> oh, fellas, I don't know how you got it in there, but you'll have to get it out before Mr. and Mrs. Scott see it. How? Well, use our car and tow it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Now, look, honey, you can win to keep Mrs. Scott occupied so she doesn't see what we're doing. All huh? right, but make sure you get that car out. Mother wanted me to marry a lawyer. Father wanted me to marry a doctor. But did I listen? Nah. I had to be a wise guy and wind up with a trap drummer. Well, I had my own ratchet. Come on, Ratch, let's get your car. Remley, look, I've been thinking about something. What? My car's too light to pull that heavy car out of that pool. Yeah, you might. Wait a minute, look. Scott's got another car in the garage, a big Lincoln. Lincoln? Yeah, that ought to be able to pull it out. Yeah, now look, I'll get a heavy chain out of my trunk and you back the Lincoln up to the pool. Huh? Oh, Remy, wait a minute. Come on. Back it, I said up to it, not in it. <laughs> chain around the rear axle of the Lincoln. All we got to do now is put the other end of the chain around the bumper of the Cadillac. That's all. Well, which one of us is going to dive down and attach it? That's simple. You. <laughs> it ain't that simple. I ain't going. <laughs> Why don't you do it? I can't swim. Then you're the guy to do it. You'll get down to the bottom faster. <laughs> but look, Remley, somebody's got to go down there. And that's somebody else. I ain't no fish. I ain't... What are you two fellas doing here? Well, if it ain't Julius, the Barracuda. <laughs> Little cart face himself. <laughs> what are you guys up to? Why you got that Lincoln on the lawn? Because we got a Cadillac in a pool. Oh, that's different. You got a what in the where? We got a Cadillac in a pool. Oh, I gotta report these guys to the juvenile authorities. They just do these things to derange my immature brain. He's telling you that we got a car in the pool. Now, if you don't believe it, look for yourself. Yeah, bend over the pool and look straight down. Let me see. Hey, you guys ain't kidding. Curly is bending over. So he is. Shall we, Conga? Let's. One, two, three, kick! He went right straight down. Yeah. <laughs> Look at him, Connor. Hey, Remley. Huh? Quick, while he's still on the bottom, throw him the chain. Yeah. Oh, look, he's surfacing. Yeah. Man the harpoon. Right. What are you, a couple of wise guys or something? Julius, as long as you're swimming, do us a favor. Dive down to the bottom and attach the chain to that bumper. Don't bang your head not until you attach this chain. Don't tell me what to do. I'm climbing out of here. Quit stomping on my little fingers. Will you put the chain on? All right, all right, you monsters. 
Underwater that long? Sure. And stay alive? Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> hey, look, he's coming up already. Oh. <laughs> well, I got an attack. Thanks, kid. You can come on out now. I'll get even with this. One of these days, if I stay away from you guys, I'm going to grow up. And when I do. Oh, stop peeping, will you? Take the water out of your head. Look, Julia, Frankie and me are going to get to Lincoln and start pulling that Cadillac up. Now, you stay here and let us know how it's coming up. Okay. Fellas, the best way to do this is leave a little slack in the chain and then start with a sudden jerk. Wait a minute. <laughs> Listen, kid, don't tell me how to do this. I'm a grown man and I know more about it than you do. Now, come on, Frankie, get in. How are you going to do this, Curly? I got it all figured out. Best thing to do is to leave a little slack in the chain and then start with a sudden jerk. <laughs> Let her go. Hang on, here we go. Right. Hey, Remley, we must be getting out. We're moving. Yeah. She's awful heavy, though. It's dragging. Hey, Curly, isn't the lawn level here? Yeah. Why is the car pointing uphill? <laughs> hey, Bellis! Why? Frankie, what did you do? Let's get out and look. Oh, Remley, look, we ripped out the whole rear end out of this car. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> Let's keep it plural. We did it. Now, what are we going to tell Mr. Scott? Don't tell him anything. Maybe he won't notice it. <laughs> won't notice it? How can he help it? Look at the way it's squatting. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Here comes Scotty. He's going to murder us when he... Remley, I just saw my lawyer, and he said I can't do a thing. So I fired him. But I've got half a mind... you got half a Lincoln, so... <laughs> what are you talking? Oh, no! What happened to my car? Something wrong with it? <laughs> Something wrong? Half of it's here, and half of it's down there. Look at it! Yeah, looks a little bit like a dachshund, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, my beautiful $6,000 special Lincoln cut in half. What can I do with it? Do what the Santa Fe does with the chief. Run it in two sections. <laughs> oh, you two. I, I'll take care of you later. Right now, I'd better tow this out of the driveway before my guests come. I'll get my Cadillac. I... My Cadillac. It was over in the... Where's my Cadillac? Oh, that's in the pool. <laughs> oh, in the pool. In the pool? Oh, no. No, 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 no. My Cadillac in the pool. My Lincoln torn in half. Both my cars ruined. What am I going to do? Sell your house and move near a bus stop. <laughs> You're responsible for this. I'm in no condition to have a party. But at least I'll have the pleasure of taking care of you two. 
come here. He's not having a party. We might as well go, Colonel. Yeah, ain't no sense in hanging around. So long, Scotty. Come back here. Come. No. You didn't want me before, so I'm not going to stay now. And if Frankie can't stay, I'm not going to stay either. All I want to do is get my hands off you. Curly's gaining on us. If I catch you, I'll tear you limb from limb. I'll rip you apart. I'll throttle you with my fair hands. Full speed ahead, Rebel. Come back, you coward! Frankie really messed up Mr. Scott's party yesterday. I wonder what he's going to do with his two cars. He's trying to sell them. He's got an ad here in the paper. Look, it says, for sale cheap. A disjointed Lincoln and a waterlogged Cadillac. <laughs> hey, do you think he's mad at me and Frankie? I think so, dear. Look what it says underneath. For sale, even cheaper. One left-handed guitar player and a curly-headed band leader. <laughs> he can't sell Remley. He belongs to me. This program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Included in today's cast were Lois Corbett and Gail Gordon. The part of Frankie Remley was played by Elliot Lewis, and Julius was played by Walter Tetley. Alice Faye appeared through the courtesy of 20th Century Fox. This is Bill Foreman wishing good health to all from Blackstone. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Dragnet, followed by The Jack Benny Show. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.